As you know, on the Empowerment Zone, we talk a lot about economic empowerment and how essential it is for the growth and development of the African-American and Latino communities. Today, I'm talking with Melvin M. Coleman about economics, specifically in the African-American community. Melvin discusses why business ownership and ownership of industry is essential to building power and influence. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston, where we zone in on black and brown relations and our journey to empowering our communities. According to Melvin, African-Americans must move beyond being laborers and consumers to being owners. Ownership leads to power. A Navy veteran and down South Georgia boy, Melvin M. Coleman is president of the Atlanta Black Chambers and the founder and chief portfolio strategist of Essential Wealth Management, a registered investment advisory firm based in the Atlanta area. Enjoy our conversation and see show notes for more information about uh, Melvin and the um, and the chamber. As always, please subscribe to the Empowerment Zone podcast and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Your support will ensure that we continue our journey in empowerment and impact. Thank you. So welcome to the Empowerment Zone, where we focus on the empowerment of the African-American and Latino communities and evaluate the way we make impact. Uh, We always center African-American and Latino voices on this show. And it's great to have Mr. Melvin Coleman, president and CEO of the Atlanta Black Chamber, as our guest today. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone, Melvin. Uh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here with you. Um, definitely a great opportunity. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm so excited that you accepted my invitation. As my audience knows, we uh, believe in economic empowerment. That's one aspect of empowerment. And you are here to talk specifically about the economic empowerment of the African-American community and also give us a little history. I'm a historian, so I love to hear some historical background about uh, how we, how African-Americans arrived where we are when we look at the discrepancies in, in economic equity uh, uh, um, within our communities and you know your ideas on what we need to do in order to close those um, gaps. So it's good to have you as an expert uh, on the show to give us some direction on how we can financially empower our communities. So before we get to that great conversation, I always like to have my guests to give us a little bit of background about themselves, both personal and professional. So tell us a little bit about you and your background and and tell us some kind of interesting fact about you as you uh, go along. So looking mm-hmm. forward to hearing your professional and personal journey. You know, the first thing I, I tell people is, hey, you know, my hometown is uh, Savannah, Georgia. So 
You know, I'm what's called a DSGB, uh, down south Georgia boy. <laughs> um, here, here in the ATL, no doubt. Um, but I am from down the road in coastal Georgia. So um, Savannah, born and raised, um, a very historic city. You know, uh, the ships actually came into <laughs> the port of Savannah. So, you know, that's that's where you could say, hey, we really started here. Um, there's a lot of history there uh, in, in in my hometown. Uh, right after I graduated high school, um, I went into the Navy for a few years, which was uh, it was a great decision for me. Uh, you know, coming from Savannah, Georgia, and then having the opportunity to see <laughs> to see the world um, definitely broadened my horizons, so to speak. And uh, you know, once you expand, you don't come back. So. So I always had that global perspective um, going on even after the Navy. So after those few uh, short years, active duty Navy, where I lived on a ship and, and traveled around the world on a ship, um, I did I did come back home and uh, went to uh, Savannah State University right there in my hometown uh, and under undergraduate degree in, in business and then uh, continued on in the MBA program, uh, Georgia Southern University, which is right right down the road um, from Savannah. So, so that is my education. Um, started working for UPS uh, as a freshman in college, and that turned out to be a 15-year career at at UPS, uh, big the big brown trucks. <laughs> um, so that's my that's my corporate America experience is is, is UPS. I was a senior account executive. Um, uh, before I left to go into what my dream was always to work in uh, finance and investment. So I uh, went to a brokerage firm and um, I did stay there for a couple of years. And, and to this day, I am a registered investment advisor, uh, independent. I have clients that I that I manage money for. Uh, and so that is my that is my chosen profession. I love it and uh, something I never have to retire from. Uh, yeah, but as you but as you may recall, I am the president and CEO of the Atlanta Black Chambers. Um, so between these two things, I stay, I stay, I stay very busy. Uh, but um, these are, these are, these are, when you choose to do something is different than um, say, you know, in, in a working capacity and it's, um, it's more like a job. Uh, these are things that, that I'm passionate about. And so the work is, is, is different you know it's hard work long hours but again when you choose it that makes all the difference in the world to me so yeah now there's so much more i could share with you obviously about myself but <laughs> I, I guess at some point you want to get into the con the convo as well but yeah but, so but, you be so you being a down south georgia boy never heard of that dsgb i love it uh oh, yeah, but, uh, yeah there's, there's some people that are going to look listen to this interview and they're going to say, yeah, I know exactly what that is. Cause they, cause they may be DSGB as well, but it was a big thing in the nineties. It was a big thing in the, in the either late nineties or early two thousands. Um, that. So I got to figure me out an acronym for being a, a, a country Texas, Texan girl. So I, I'm going to figure that out and I'll let you know at a later date. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure they got something. Um, you know, <laughs> 
Well, some interesting facts about uh, uh, Savannah is uh, that, uh, of course, it has Savannah State University, which is, for many people you may not know, Savannah State University is a historically Black college and university in uh, Savannah. Uh, my classmate, the Reverend Dr. Senator uh, Raphael Warnock, <laughs> yeah. is also from Savannah. My homeboy, yes, no yes. doubt. Yes. Yeah. And then, like you stated, um, many of the enslaved Africans who arrived in the uh, United States actually came from that port, arrived mm -hmm. on that port and the port of uh, Charleston, South Charleston. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So, uh, those are very important places in the history of African-Americans. So you are an investment uh, advisor and uh, also president and CEO of the Atlanta Black Chamber. So can you tell us a little bit about the Atlanta Black Chamber? Oh, absolutely. Um, we're an organization of entrepreneurs based here in Atlanta. However, um, our membership expands not just across the state of Georgia, um, not just across the United States, but indeed um, outside of the United States as well. So we we have um, members in Africa, the Caribbean, uh, South America, Canada, um, and you know we've made made it a point to reach out and engage with. Um, the diaspora, if you will. Uh, we feel like that's uh, very important, a very strategic um, way to go about our business of, of growth and development. Um, and that, and it, that ties into the conversation that we're going to have today about um, economic empowerment for, for our community. Um, so yeah, the, the Atlanta Black Chambers, the ABC, um, our mission, growth of competitive, profitable, and sustainable Black-owned entities. Uh, that is the, the the gist of our mission. Mm -hmm. I love that mission statement. And for you to also to be purposeful about engaging the uh, diaspora, African diaspora is so important to our uh, growth and development economically as a community. So that is a great segue into our topic today. Uh, can you uh, begin by, you said you're going to give us a little bit of history about uh, economics in the African-American community. Let's let's start from the past and, you know, bring us up to now. And then we'll talk about, you know, strategies for for building um, uh, financial em empowerment in our community. Absolutely. Um, I, I think we we all must understand Okay, our ancestors were were enslaved. They they, they were property, um, and and in 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 that sense, they were a source of labor, um, and not a whole lot has changed from the perspective of, say, black people being a source of labor. Uh, and so when I talk about, hey, you know, we have to understand um, from historical perspective um, how this economic uh, journey, uh, this whole process has played out for us here in the United States. Uh, so with us being 
viewed or our role in the system is that of uh, a source of labor, uh, employee, if you will, um, then our objective, our mission, our responsibility is to um, move out and above and beyond, say, from that level to uh, ownership. So ownership and control. Um, that is really what our focus uh, should be. Um, I, I, sometimes I just get real simple and plain and I tell people in conversations, man, we just, as a people, we just need to own and control more stuff. <laughs> you know, businesses, you know, institutions, organizations, what have you, it, as, as much of that that can be owned and controlled by us, that automatically eliminates, prevents, and puts an end to so much uh, that is wrong, so much that has perpetuated, you know, for generations, decades, and decades, is that, that other other people, other groups, other communities, they own it, they control it, and we get to be, well, here's the other point. Yes, we're the source of labor, so we're employees, but the other, the other role we play is that of the consumer. So, so where in this system is there black ownership and control, which is power and influence, and other groups or communities have to work for us or purchase from us. So we have to look at how we transform uh, the way things have been to what we need to happen, which is a much better balance because the scales are, are not balanced right now and have not been historically. Um, and then there are reasons why uh, the, the magnitude of the discrepancy is, is what it is, right? Um, but but the, the, the gist of everything for me in all of my time and energy and, and what I do as the president of the, of the chamber or even how I uh, you know, manage uh, money and 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 build wealth for my for my clients is I'm looking at uh, black ownership and control, um, and there's just different examples or analogies when you look at it. Uh, even our high profile athletes who can accumulate a really good amount of wealth uh, being a professional athlete, and that's good. But we have to look at still, even in that scenario, you know, on the plantation, you know, you had the, the who owned and controlled the system and everything. And and then you had, you know, our ancestors again, who were valuable assets, so to speak. So um, we want to, you know, we want to own the company. We want to own the team. We want to own the league, and particularly in these areas where we excel, where clearly, you know, we have some gifts that have made us 
better than everybody else in, in a particular arena, okay? Uh, but yet and still, we don't own or control whatever that is. Um, and that that is what that's what we're doing now. That's what the generation behind my generation, um, we're setting them up to take control, I think, for the first time in a, in a big way. And, and, and I'm, I'm excited about the way things are moving, um, at least in, in some of the circles that I'm in. That is a good synopsis of the history, a brief synopsis of uh, 400 years <laughs> of history. And so you talked about one of the statements I want you to kind of expand upon is you talked about that there are many reasons for the magnitude of, of the discrepancies in terms mm -hmm. of wealth, yeah. ownership, control. Mm -hmm. So one, one thing that happened in American history, uh, and we really have to educate the young people on it, is after the Civil War, um, there was something we call Reconstruction. And, and Reconstruction was on a, a path or a trajectory to, to kind of accelerate, um, you know, the, uh, the growth and development, say, in, in African-American community uh, to where um, had it not failed, had it not been abandoned, had we not been betrayed, um, yeah, the United States could could have looked a lot different a lot earlier. Um, but the reasons why Reconstruction was abandoned, why we were betrayed, um, that gets into, you know, even what we're up against today in terms of there are always those who don't want to see us uh, in, in a much better situation or, or on par with, with others. Uh, it's almost like in order for us, if we were to find ourselves collectively, say on large scale in a much better um, reality, just say for our community, it's almost like it would mess up. It would mess up somebody's money. It would it would interfere with with how they are mm, um, exploiting or taking advantage of of the way things are. Um, and th and that's a bigger picture uh, perspective that actually goes beyond the United States, if you will. It it is about the diaspora and black people all over the world, um, but. But yeah, but getting back to Reconstruction, where we, you know, we talk about, you mentioned uh, Senator Warnock. Um, well, we had black black senators in the 18, 1870s, <laughs> okay? But with, with the failure of Reconstruction, uh, once that stopped, we didn't have black senator for I don't know how many decades. Um, so, so we always have a setback. You know, there's always, if there's any progress, and then there is a, a, a like a backlash that sets us back. You can even you can even come up to the present day and the emotional commitment um, uh, in the aftermath of the George Floyd tragedy 
and how the whole world for the first time in a long time said, wow, so much here is wrong and I wanna, and I wanna do something about it. Well, right now today, all of those verbal pledges and all of that stuff, only a very small percentage has actually been put in force. Um, and, and then the worst part is, is that there, there's a backlash, like, like whatever progress we thought we may have made, they want to take all of that and then some. Uh, it's, it, it's throughout history, you can find examples of whenever there's some forward progress, um, there is a like a backlash against that. Uh, so, so yeah. Totally agree with you. Uh, throughout American history, when African-Americans have made progress, there has been an extensive backlash. I would even say um, that the election of President Obama created the backlash of what we call. That, that, there you go. There's always, yes. So, yeah. um, you know, let's let we've talked about the problem. Let's talk about the solutions. You know, you talk about the importance of African Americans, and I would even say uh, this also applies to the Latino community that uh, we are primarily the source of labor. We're employees, and that we've got to begin to focus on ownership and control. Now, one of the things that you stated that you implied uh, implicitly is that if and when there are changes that it really would disrupt the system as the way it operates currently, that we actually need a trans formation of the system, which does not necessarily totally depend on uh, the labor of African-Americans. And like you say, stated, this is uh, throughout, not just African-Americans, but you see the exploitation of Africans uh, on the continent there. I don't like to lump all Africans together. There's various countries on the content, continent. But we mm -hmm. see exploitation of labor and we see the exploitation of natural resources. So mm -hmm. how do we, um, what are the strategies that we need to put in place as a community in order to move the needle forward in terms of us being in position of uh, power and influence through um, ownership and control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so it definitely, you know, it starts with uh, a level of, of consciousness among us as a community. Uh, so community itself is 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 huge. Community itself is 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 is, is a big concept for us. Um, I always say, hey, there's one black community, and so start with that and then we've got to have a level of understanding in terms of what's really going on and what's happening to to us all over the world and so we're are we committed to each other are we committed to each other do i do i really uh support you and stand with you are we together so all of that has to come has to come first is that you know there is this community 
and and we understand that some things are not as they should be and we're committed to bringing about change okay i want to push back on i want to push back on you uh, a little bit on that cuz you stated two things and i agree with both but mm-hmm. how do we do this you stated that we're not a monolithic community which is so true but at the same time we should work together as a community throughout the africa African diaspora. So how do you do that when you have so many different ideas, uh, beliefs, and philosophies of uh, a community that is extremely diverse, but you state we should make the effort to work together? Um, So what we have in common is the fact that we are of African descent. uh, And we understand that it doesn't matter where you are or, or what you think you might be uh if, if if you are black meaning whoever or wherever for example you know afro latinos in brazil and in colombia in the caribbean um those are absolutely our, our our brothers and sisters and and what we have in common is a a a shared history of 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 our ancestors being enslaved okay so, yes, it, we are diverse in terms of some culture and, and different things like that based on or based on where you're from, but we all come together under the same huge umbrella of being uh, of African descent and knowing that um, what happens to to one of us could happen to to, to any one of us. Um, and I think we have to really understand and, and, and come to terms with, with that first, so if so, so if, if I see a black person, um, and they could be from Germany, <laughs> um, but to me, I, I know immediately that I have something in common with that person, and and there are things that that we can relate to um, about society, you know, anywhere, uh, and so that I think that that has to come first. That sense of unity, that sense of community, um, other groups have it. Uh, we're challenged more, more so than others because of everything that's happened to us over over centuries. But but that's very very um, important. Is that we stand? Is that we stand together? You know, we can't be so divided um, amongst ourselves because it plays well into the hands of those who only want to continue to take advantage of us. So after we develop in your uh, proposed idea, a collective consciousness among people of African descent, then where do we go from there? What are the steps we need to take in, in order to, uh, in order so, to- So if you, if, if you have that mentality first, you, and, and that's really, you understand from that level um, that this is, this is who we are and, and, and we should, and we should be working together, then you actually, take those steps to to engage, um, have relationships. Uh, I mentioned how the chamber has relationships outside of the United States um, because we understand that through this collective um, movement of, of us working and building together, um, that's going to have an impact on on our on our predicament 
okay? Um, our, our, our global predicament, um, not just, you know, the African-American community, but, but Black people, Black people everywhere um, who do look to African-Americans for a lot in terms of like, hey, opportunity um, to have relationships and work together. Um, so, so it starts here and here, and then let's come together and have these, these relationships. Um, and we see other communities that do this uh, to their benefit. And because we're, we're not as, as together as we can be, um, they can easily take advantage. Um, that's, that's just the way, that's just the way it is. We just want uh, a much better uh, reality for, for black people uh, in, in this world. Well, like you stated, the collective, it, it begins with a collective consciousness and you said here and here, I can see you, the audience can see you, uh, mind but and the, heart. Right, the mind and the heart, right. Yes. yes. And, mm -hmm. and then, uh, we can move forward. And I think one of the challenges, main challenges within our community is our, for the most part, our educational system is outside of our control, which which really influences the way we think. And um, so that's one of the challenges that uh, impacts the African-American community. So, you know, Now that you've talked about the past and where we are presently, you know, what, uh, as we close out, what do you feel is the future for African-Americans in terms of economic empowerment? Well, the future is, is, is greater levels of black ownership and control of institutions, that we previously only participated in as, you know, the talent, as we say. Um, you can see it, it's not happening at a fast pace, but it is happening because we've now made a decision that, that this is what we want for ourselves. We're not just, happy, you know, to have a good job. Um, brothers and sisters want to build something and say, this, this is mine, I own this, and I'm able to have a real impact on my family and my community. Um, and a lot of this is fairly, fairly recent, um, you know, coming out of some some things that have happened in these in these past few years, where a bright light was shined on the black community, and it had the effect of changing the mentality of a lot of black people, which is very important um, because we talk a lot about others and what they should know, but it starts with us first. You talk about ed the education system, the community has to educate our, our young people. Our community can do that. I was so uh, pleased to see that black churches in Florida basically said, 
you can keep your CRT, you can you can do it, whatever. We're going to educate our children. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that, this is it. You know, we we are, we're like, man, we're going to fly this plane. Um, so, so there's, you know, there's stuff to be optimistic about, but there's a lot of hard work and, and that's what we do every day. Um, but this is, this is, this is the mission. I think I spoke earlier, like, Hey, when you choose <laughs> you, something as hard as like, Oh man, it's a lot of hard work, but this, 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 this is what you chose to do because this is your passion and this is what you want. To, it's different than if you were um, just going to work for somebody. So, so for those, those who are much like me, you know, we're going to keep doing this every day and then uh, we'll pass the torch to, you know, those who are going to come behind us, but, but but this is the work and, and we won't ever stop doing it. I am a big advocate for higher education. Uh, although I also believe that higher education isn't for everyone, that there are other avenues to success. There's no one route to success. And so um, <clears throat> I always ask my guests uh, for their advice, if they were at, at talking to people who are in college or getting ready to go to college, what would be their strategy for college success? So could you begin by telling us what college you attended, your major and degrees, and then what strategy would you give students to ensure that they're successful in college? So I attended Savannah State University, um, business management, and then I attended Georgia Southern University, um, the MBA program, you know, Masters in Business Administration. Um, my advice to a young person is to pursue um, that which uh, really motivates you and inspires you to be the absolute best. Uh, of yourself, um, whatever it is, because that's what you're called to do. So go for it and, and allow that to take you uh, places that you, you you never even dreamed you, you would get you would get to go uh, because you are so good at that particular thing. And that's what you should focus on in, in college to have the greatest success. Great advice. Pursue your passion so that you can be the best that you can be in whatever you choose to pursue. Thank you so much, Melvin Coleman. That was great advice. And, and it is, again, it's great having you on the Empowerment Zone. A special thank you to the incredible team of The Empowerment Zone. Terry Gully, theme song, NADWorks, digital support, and of course, our featured guest, 